That's the same concept really with meditation. You're sitting, you're not getting up, you're not moving, and whatever's coming up, you're forced on some level to stay with it and to let it move through you. So what I would recommend for people who are who don't necessarily have the outlets of nature um, or aren't close to an area where they can like do exercise. Um, and really, honestly, I would recommend this for anyone, you know, right now is to allow what's coming up emotionally, intellectually, maybe even spiritually for some people to just be there and just acknowledge it and accept it and know that in these very uncertain times, we're going to be experiencing a lot of different sensations, feelings, thoughts, ideas, even creative impulses, perhaps, and to just stay with those and know that they'll pass. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a meditation, just being in this together and as individuals, obviously, with the social distancing and in our own spaces now, um, just being in it is a meditation to me. So I think, you know, stay open, um, stay patient, um, you know, obviously doing things to keep your mind, body um, healthy are important. So, you know, try and avoid too much you know, um, or excessive amounts of anything, really excessive amounts of, of food or of alcohol or whatever your vice is and just, you know, staying balanced as best you can so that when these emotions come up, whatever they may be, you can be present with them and um, be aware of what's coming up and, um, and move through it. Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst turned endurance athlete. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals across sports, business, and wellness who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guest, David Bernstein, is someone who definitely took a huge step back, albeit with the help of a substantial global event, and shifted into a much more fulfilling career. After graduating college, David initially found his way into a sales role at a food distribution company, which is where he first recognized his knack for connecting with people at a professional level. Then, like many others around the year 2004, he became intrigued by real estate, which at the time was on fire. Through networking like crazy, David landed a job at a real estate investment firm and thrived there until the hammer came down in 2008 with the Great Recession. As David mentions, it was the hammer he needed to get out of a marriage that wasn't working and an overall way of life that wasn't healthy. So fast forward a bit, David moves to Panama and begins to become connected to the Earth's life force and energy, which which helps provide the spark for what is now Life Force Project, a company founded by David that combines captivating global global destinations with a team of the world's most beloved and innovative holistic experts, spiritual leaders, eco-adventure specialists, yoga teachers, cultural guides, and business game changers to help transform your experience of wellness, travel, and life. In one of the deeper interviews I've had so far, we discuss the coronavirus pandemic and, and thoughts on how to best cope and thrive in this new environment, his path through sales and real estate investing, the impact of the Great Recession on his life, and of course, Life Force Project. And so, without further ado, my interview with David Bernstein. How has uh, everything been going with you since uh, we last chatted? 
as good as could be expected, honestly. Um, I am up in the mountains. My family has a home up here, so I'm with my brother and sister, and uh, it was lots of lots of open space, 400 acres that the, belong to the community that we're a part of here. So um, actually just did a run this morning and rivers and trails and um, just very grateful to be in a beautiful, safe um, space with lots of nature. Uh, and, you know, work-wise, um, for what it's worth, uh, despite the fact that travel has come to a screeching halt, um, I feel very innovative, you know, um, this whole process has been, uh, a very dynamic experience for, for me personally. So mm -hmm. I've, 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 I've moved through a lot of, mo you know, on a personal level, there's been some emotional pieces that, uh, I've been working through. Um, there's been some, you know, uh, intellectual components that have kind of also been interesting for me. And then really there, there's been a lot of innovative and creative, um, pieces that have come up. So despite the fact that we're in a, uh, a time where, uh, just unprecedented circumstances on a global level, uh, I feel really optimistic and um, I actually feel inspired by what's been happening on a lot of different levels. So I'm doing good, man, <laughs> for what it's worth, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the reality is that, you know, I mean, there's so, there's so much happening right now on so many levels, you know, it's, it's hard to encapsulate it in, in, in even in a single conversation, but um, I guess that's the, that's the piece really is looking at all of it. That's what I've been trying to do is really just be open to everything that's happening socially, economically, culturally, um, on, as far as the health, obviously the health concerns. Um, and for my own personal, in my own personal world, what's coming up for me, you know, on emotional, psychological career, you know, and artistic levels. So it's dynamic without a doubt. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's great. Um, so where is, I guess this community that you're in now, is it, is it in Denver? So we're outside of Aspen. Aspen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, um, <clears throat> it's a ranch, um, that was developed, uh, in the seventies. It was one of the first sustainable developments in Colorado actually. And, uh, I don't know how many homes are on, are on the property. I would say maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred max. That might be, that might be high. Um, but, uh, then there's, uh, there's about 400 acres, um, grandfathered in and protected, uh, on the back end of the property and a system of streams that they've, um, that they've built, um, off of the, the Roaring Fork River, which runs through the valley here. So there's just a beautiful system of streams and, you know, walking paths and jogging paths and biking paths. And, um, you know, there's no one here. I mean, a lot of the homes are second, uh, second homes. Um, and 
um, it's just super private and, and very quiet and beautiful. So yeah, it's, it's a nice situation, all things considered, you know? Yeah. It's always, it's always nice up here for us. We love it up here, you know, and we don't get to spend extended, extended amounts of time here because we use it as a second home and we rent it, you know? Um, so this is like a real treat to be able to be up here for an extended amount of time, you know? Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine, um, you know, it's especially hard for people who are living in the city, in the cities right now who, um, you know, you can't really leave their, you know, uh, constricting apartment. So to have all that space, um, be surrounded by all that nature, um, uh, definitely, uh, I guess a much better situation. Man, it's such a blessing. It is such a blessing, you know? And I think, yeah, um, just to have, you know, immediate access to nature under the circumstances and what everyone's going through, like you said, in bigger cities, you know, people can get out to parks and walk around their neighborhood, you know, to get exercise and be outside. But uh, nature is so healing, man. You know, I wake up in the morning, I can hear birds. You know, we have a horse pasture right behind our house. So every morning, as soon as I wake up, I walk into the kitchen, I look outside, there are horses. And just proximity to nature itself is, I really, I, I, I truly believe a balancing, um, has a balancing effect on our mind-body. Um, it's mind-body-spirit, really. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, very, very grateful for this place and having family you know i got we're we're uh there's three of us i got a brother and a sister we're all single at the moment and we're all about the same age and we're all close so it's like it's fun man you know like yeah my sister is always traveling i'm traveling all the time and you know the three of us are not together that often so we've been having a lot of fun with it man you know getting out into nature cooking Doing things that everyone, I'm, I'm sure, is doing on some level, but it's nice to have um, have family, you know, have family here. Yeah, that's one of the, um, I guess, big positives that a lot of people have been, uh, I guess, taking from the situation is being able to spend more time uh, with family members that they haven't really been spending a lot of time on when things, I guess, were were normal. So uh, it's great to see that you're. Or it's great to hear that you're, um, you and your brother and sister are kind of enjoying that extra time together. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if we how long we can ha- we can hang it. You know, homeostasis here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're adults, but I guess that doesn't really matter when it comes to family, right? But we seem to be doing a really good job. Yeah. Right. Um, because a lot of the other stresses are 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 removed. I mean, we have new levels. Um, and new types of stress, um, like, you know, the collective panic around what's going to happen with the economy or what's happening with the coronavirus, um, or even just individual levels of, of stress and anxiety around what the global, this global level event, what kind of impact that's going to have on us individually. But I think that um, those are stresses that we can, we can counterbalance with family, you know, whereas 
you know, some of the other outside stresses that we typically have, like job, like job, um, pre like pressure at the workplace or marital, you know, stress or, you know, other kind of, of the more typical types of societal stress that we deal with. Family can't necessarily help to negate that. But I think when, when there's this kind of like global level experience that's so out of our control, having family around actually does help to, at least for me, to, to mitigate, like you said, like to really feel like you're, you know, I don't know, like as supported and loved and kind of drilling down to what's truly important in the end. And I think that that can, that, that can counterbalance and even overcome some level of fear and anxiety that people are experiencing from the, you know, the current global situation. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, and I guess as, as someone like yourself who, uh, you know, practices mindfulness and being present, what uh, maybe, I guess, advice would you give to people who are in, uh, I guess, these crowded cities um, and maybe can't get to, um, I guess, or get to, I guess, access nature that easily, um, or maybe like are living alone or with some roommates, um, I guess, best ways to kind of cope or see the positives in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what is happening on a, on a, on this global level, this global level event, if, if we want to call it that the combination of the, um, restrictive movement, the stay at home, uh, uh, policies, the, um, the fear of, of, contracting the coronavirus and the economy um and really the the just uh, that restriction of movement in general um i see all those components that are happening on this global level so this these circumstances that we're in as a meditation in themselves and so bear with me on this mm -hmm. when we meditate we are called to sit and stay with whatever's coming up. So that's a meditation for me. Meditation is taking 30 minutes, 15 minutes, five minutes out of your day, sitting down, practicing some breathing, and whatever comes up, you stay with it. You know, maybe it passes, maybe it's there for a couple minutes, these thoughts, right? These feelings. And hopefully they move on and something new will come up. And that's the process of meditation, staying really with whatever's coming up and trying to release it and not even trying to release it, allowing it to move through you. Um, and I see that as, you know, similar to what we face when we're in our apartments in New York City or in our homes, wherever we are, um, and throughout the throughout the United States or the world, really, um, as a as really a, a, a process of meditation, we're being asked um, to really stay with whatever's coming up. And I think as people are in their homes, um, let's just take on the, throughout the course of a day, you might have feelings of anxiety come up around, you know. Uh, the coronavirus or work as it relates to the global economy right now. You might have some inspiring, you know, 
sensations of and or 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 visions of what this might look like on the other end when it's all over. Um, you might have a moment where you connect with a family member and it's something really special. Um, all of those uh, uh, possibilities and feelings can arise throughout a day, and our I think our task right now is just to stay with them, to stay with whatever's coming up, and that's that whole kind of. In a, in a real way and in a symbolic way, that whole idea of being at home, right? You know, the reality is we are at home. We have to stay in our homes and we have to just move through this as best we can from inside. We don't have another choice at this point. That's the same concept really with meditation. You're sitting, you're not getting up, you're not moving, and whatever's coming up, you're forced on some level to stay with it and to let it move through you. So what I would recommend for people who are, who don't necessarily have the outlets of nature, um, or aren't close to an area where they can like do exercise. Um, and really, honestly, I would recommend this for anyone, you know, right now is to allow what's coming up emotionally, intellectually, maybe even spiritually for some people to just be there and just acknowledge it and accept it and know that in these very uncertain times, we're going to be experiencing a lot of different sensations, feelings, thoughts, ideas, even creative impulses, perhaps, and to just stay with those and know that they'll pass. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of like a meditation, just being in this together and as individuals, obviously, with the social distancing and in our own spaces now, um, just being in it is a meditation to me. So I think, you know, stay open, um, stay patient, um, you know, obviously doing things to keep your mind, body um, healthy are important. So, you know, try and avoid too much, you know, um, or excessive amounts of anything, really excessive amounts of, of food or of alcohol or whatever your vice is, and just, you know, staying balanced as best you can so that when these emotions come up, whatever they may be, you can be present with them and um, be aware of what's coming up and um, and move through it. <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's super, super interesting. Um, it's almost like this situation is, um, I don't know the right word it might be, maybe like forcing us or, or leading us to um, maintain more of a meditative or almost Taoist-like perspective um which then you know what when whenever this you know the dust settles on this will be beneficial to have once i guess normal life resumes and um i guess uncertain situations pop up uh uh i guess again in the future so that's interesting yeah absolutely man and i i, I like that you're you know bringing up the Taoist um perspective i see the Tao as this very um almost mystical way of looking at the complete system you know wholeness oneness um and i think when we when we really like step outside of our singular narrative which is what human beings do you know they'll look at the coronavirus and the first thing that will most likely come up is a fear around am i going to get sick is a family member going to get sick and expand that out, is someone I know gonna get sick, and so on and so forth, right? 
Um, or we look at the economy, you know, how is this going to affect my job? How could it affect, you know, my industry and expanding out? But it starts with that narrow view of kind of what, how is this impacting me? But if we were to, if we were to pluck ourselves out of our personal narrative and look at the entire system, you know, and, and have a Taoist perspective, for example, of what this means for the entire system, what would we see? I mean, I think if we looked at the coronavirus itself, we would see um, something that physically has impacted a very, very small fraction of the entire world, physically. The people who physically have the virus um, relative to how many people are on this planet is small. Now, if we look at it mentally, it's impacted everybody, right? Um, but that's just a, pers it's, it's a, it's an outside perspective. How many people is it actually physically, um, impacting, right? What about nature? If we were to take that 30,000 foot view of all of this, how would we see, what would nature look like in this, in this, uh, global level experience that we're having? You know, nature's, I think, benefiting from what's happening right now. You know, they're looking at reversing, um, hopefully for the long term wild animal trade, you know, there's less commerce, which is um, giving, you know, the ozone a break and giving other natural systems some breathing space, right? So that's definitely a good thing. Um, we look at even the economy on some level, and you're a finance guy, so you, you, <laughs> you I think, and you, you moved out of, you know, your work there for, for various reasons. So I, I think that you can probably understand mm -hmm. this, but I know you can understand that we're going, that the economy goes up and down. That, that's that's going to happen regardless, right? You know, so the, the economy expands and contracts. That's a given. That's, that's, that's 100%. But if we were to take that 30,000 foot perspective and look at what's happening on an economic level, and we look at the essentials and non-essentials, and I love that how that, what that has meant, you know, and that those terms have a kind of new meaning right now relative to the economy. We really see the value of people who are um, in the healthcare sector, um, people who are producing food, people who are providing well-being, right? Um, and I think that a a a a shift in perspective, or another optic, so to speak, to look at what's really important within our within our society from an economic perspective is important, especially since we look, you know the last, you know, four years have been driven by, you know, a, a government, a, a government that has, you know, created a lot of policies, et cetera, to benefit the, the wealthy and to benefit big corporations. So I see there being an economic benefit um, to this as well. And then if we look at like the social fabric of our country, or even expand that out into the social fabric of humanity, People are learning about altruism. People, what we've done with the stay at home on a lot of levels, I think, is sacrificing for the better good, is, you know, staying at home to prevent someone else from getting sicker or, or, or worse. And that's a powerful piece as well, right? And so I think that if we can pull out of our narrative, our individual narrative, our individual fears around how this impacts us directly and we can see this from a from a larger scope that Taoist 
point of view, there's a lot of interesting things that are happening to the system, to the whole system on this planet, the economic component of it, the social component, the um, natural component, and, and beyond that. Not to mention that as a, as I think as a, uh, as a global cultural system, we're starting, we're all going through this together, right? This is happening to everybody right now. And so I think there's opportunity for us to really be able to sympathize and connect on a new level with our fellow human beings around the world. Um, especially during a time where there's been so much nationalism and separation um, on, a, on a geopolitical scale. So I see a system that's shifting when I take that Taoist perspective. And I think that mm. if we can see that, if we can, if we can acknowledge that or be open to that, it can actually help people with stressful, um, <clears throat> with the stress and anxiety that they're experiencing um, when, with, with what's happening in the world. To me, it gives me a, 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 an inspiring, pers- uh, you know, an inspirational perspective. It gives me hope. And I think that there, it creates another level of meaning to everything that's happening, um, which can pull us out of those very singular, stressful, and panicky moments that we can have from all, from all of this. Yeah, that's... Uh... It's interesting. It's almost like this, I don't know, global pandemic or global crisis some people um, are using to, I guess, describe the situation is um, almost giving some people the perspective of having, I guess, greater hope in humanity. And in terms of like, kind of, we're all in this together and kind of supporting each other rather than, um, I guess, focusing on how it's affecting someone personally like you said and kind of feeling like you're the only um if that makes sense yeah absolutely absolutely i think that you know this is the first time in my life and i think you know in a very long time maybe a hundred years or so since world war ii maybe that we as a as a human community have gone through something uh, together on this scale. And it is really, uh, amazing to see the altruism and the connection that's coming from this. Uh, God knows we need it right now. Um, and I, and I, and I, and I wonder if this is a step towards an evolving, um, system an, an, an evolved system on this planet where uh more people can thrive you know um so we'll see we'll see i think again it's about being open it's about being open to um to all the pieces you know we live in the age of information and so there's so much information that we're bombarded with I mean, you know, you get on Facebook for three minutes and there's every type of story, whether it's coming from the New York Times or the CDC or Karen on Facebook, if you've seen yep. those posts, right? Like 
it's hard to differentiate what's real and what's not. And I think that a lot of times with situations of this magnitude, people either go into, you know, uh, um, they have a tendency to move towards panic and then they start following a stream of information that's going to fulfill that, that, that direction for them. So they're just going to basically be, you know, buying into whatever is panic driven news mm, that's interesting. Or, they go, or they go the opposite way and they go into denial. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they start following the news that says like, this is, this is, this is bullshit. You know, this isn't happening. And I think that for me, my practice has been to be open to all of it. I'm interested in looking at charts and facts, quote unquote facts that, that are coming from reputable sources. And I'm also interested in people's opinions about whether this is, you know, how, you know, dangerous this really is or what's really happening from a political perspective, you know, etc. You know, or looking at what's happening, you know, to our natural environment and some of the benefits. So I think keeping an open mind is really important right now. And like I said, like, this is a meditation for all of us. We are all in meditation right now. We are all in our homes moving through this. Whether we feel zen and calm, honestly, I don't, I think that that is great if people can get there, but it doesn't matter. If we're aware, if we're at least being aware of what's coming up for us, whether it be fear, inspiration, hope, love, compassion, you know, whatever's coming up, if we're aware of it, we're doing, we're, we're doing work individually and collectively, I think, that will pay off uh, when the storm settles. Yeah, that's, that's a really great perspective. Um, and I'm sure we could, uh, you know, keep on discussing, uh, I guess, the current situation, but I do, I do want to get to you. <laughs> um, so was mindfulness and meditation things that you learned about or were even aware of growing up? No. In all honesty, uh, when, when I was working uh, in the financial world uh, and, you know, before that in college and high school, I, I had no, I didn't have any, uh, any level of mindfulness practice um, or really any kind of uh, uh, spiritual um, exposure to spirituality either. <clears throat> interesting and and did so did you did you grow up in in denver or in colorado mm-hmm. i did i did yeah and you know i had a um i think i always i've always been an, uh, an old soul on some level and uh i had some some challenges and traumas um growing up uh as a young a, a young teenager um that persisted through my, you know, through my late twenties. Um, and so I, you know, I think I did have a deep down, um, like I said, an old soul and, a perhaps a, a more expanded perspective of life, but I did not have any level of mindfulness tools that I developed or meditation skills, or even like a yoga practice or anything like that until my tipping point and then yeah then then i then i picked up those practices 
Got it. Okay. And um, you've mentioned to me before uh, kind of your passion around um, connecting with people and connecting people. Uh, Did, um, I guess, did your parents emphasize the importance of relationships or was that ever emphasized to you growing up? Or is that also something that kind of, uh, I guess, you maybe grew into um, uh, later in your life? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, there's nature and nurture. And for me, I see personality as something that we're born with. Um, and then something that, of course, we end up nurturing um, throughout our lives. And so for me, since I was a little kid, um, I've always loved to connect with other people. And surely um, throughout, uh, throughout my life, I've found various, um, various ways to do that through my work, uh, through my creative endeavors, um, through my family. And so really connection has always been a, at, the, at the, the center of, of who I am and how I express myself in the world in all the various um, kind of spaces that I exist uh, you know, education, career, uh, familial, all of those, all of those places, if that makes sense. No, it does. So it's, it's kind of, um, almost always been there for you. Always Mm -hmm. without a doubt. And, you know, the funny thing is with, with work, um, I had a couple of different careers in my, well, now my 20s through my 30s. And although the actual jobs looked different and the industries were different, um, they've all carried the same passion. They've all carried the same, uh, a consistent um, undertone or theme, which has been connection. So when I was in finance, um, you know, I was on the deal side and I thrived in that because I loved connecting with people and working on deals in that way. I wasn't as much of an analyst as I was, you know, a deal person. So that worked perfectly. And before that I was in sales and, you know, um, the product that I was selling wasn't really something I was super passionate about, but I loved being out and connecting with all my clients. Right. Um, and now even with, you know, with what we're doing with life force and all of our trips and all of our wellness productions, it's really about the connection. I love connecting with, you know, the people we work with around the world and, um, the people we, who journey with us on the experiences that we create. So, you know, I, I like to, I like to look at it as, um, different cars, same, same gas, you know? There have been different vehicles that have helped me to express my love for connection throughout my life. Um, but it's always been, that's always been the, the undertone, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I guess maybe when you were, uh, when you were in college, do you think that you were, uh, or, or were you at all maybe cognizant of kind of your passion around connecting with people and that maybe drove you towards seeking jobs that would allow you to 
I guess, fulfill that passion? Or do you think when you were in college, uh, maybe you were more driven by kind of, um, I don't know, maybe the, I guess, fancy lifestyle that finance might and the money that finance might provide you? Huh. Well, I think it's an interesting combo. You know, I think, um, I think some of us are, are uh, fortunate to have a very clear in college and in our early 20s, um, clear feel of what that passion, what that fuel is, right? You know, mm-hmm. if we were to talk to uh, Michael Jordan, he'd probably tell you, dude, when I was in my 20s, like clearly he would tell you, he knew basketball was it. Like that was his thing, was what his passion in his 20s was basketball. And he'd probably tell you that since he was like a kid, you know, that was it. He loved competing. He was a competitor, you know, at heart. For me in my 20s, like early 20s, I wasn't so much cultivating. Uh, I was experiencing connection on a lot of different levels, but I wasn't so much cultivating how I could turn it into a career. And I think that that's part of our 20s is, you know, we really just get to uh, experiment with different career paths for some of us. Some of us are really clear and those people are fortunate. Like some people are born, like Jordan was a born competitor when he was in his 20s. I'm sure he had no doubt exactly what he wanted to be even earlier than that. But there are others, myself included in this in this other group of people who, you know, our 20s are really experiment, experimental. So for me, like I didn't, I didn't know what I, um, what I wanted to be, you know? And I think my journey really in my twenties was just kind of, as I look back on it now that I'm in my, my thirties, I look back on my twenties and I say like, yeah, like the journey was exactly what it was supposed to look like. You know, at the time it seemed like there wasn't really any course that I had set, but looking back on it, 2020 hindsight, it all made sense. And it was all really experimental and finding different, um, avenues for me to express um, my love for connecting with people. And the reality was I didn't even come and the 20s was really about me learning what I loved to do. I don't even know that I was clear in my 20s that that's what I really loved was 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 connecting with people and being around people. My 20s was, I think part of the purpose of my 20s was to learn how to do that. And learn that it was something that was at the center of who I am and what I and what I how I want to be in the world. Yeah, I mean, and I would definitely put myself um, in that group as well. Um, kind of being in that process of self discovery during my twenties is exactly what I'm going through right now. So I can definitely definitely appreciate that. Well, and, and I I super appreciate you for going there honestly, and taking chances. And I was a risk taker myself in, a, in, 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 in certain ways. And so the more open you are and dude, you know, hats off to you for like stepping into, into a new direction and trying something new out. Because again, yeah, the twenties I think are all about that. And if we're not open and curious and take some risks, we can end up in a career that that we stay with for, for, for longer than we should Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, what's your, I guess, perspective on the, on the value that, or that your college experience made, uh, provided you? And do you think it's different, um, now than say when you were five years out of school? Um, college was, um, I think just part for me, the value of college was, um, a uh kind of like a rite of passage you know more than any any like specific knowledge that i took away from college you know i'd say there are some intellectual nuggets that i still have um from my college experience and use today in my life but i'd say overarchingly um the rite of passage uh is was the most important thing in college for me and that in a in a really um, special way actually led me into travel. Um, my, my first year of college, I took a tropical biology class um, because I was told if I signed up for the class that I would get, there's a two week trip to Costa Rica at the end of the class um, to do like a field study with all the tropical biology stuff we were learning. And that was my first trip um, with like a group of, you know, of my peers outside of the country. So I was 19, I was a freshman in college, and we went to Costa Rica and traveled all around Costa Rica. And that changed my life. I mean, I will never forget that trip. That was for surely a huge inspirational step for me towards what I ultimately ended up doing with my life, you know? Um, And um, a real awakening to how powerful travel is for me um, and how, um, yeah, how, how, the impact it can have on um, on on us, and so yeah, I mean, that's definitely a nugget beyond a nugget. That's a gem that yep. that that came from my college experience. And then I ended up living abroad um, my last year of college in Spain, and that was oh, interesting, a tremendous experience. So yeah, um, the rite of passage. Uh, in, in a number of different ways. One, you know, just stepping into life as an adult and being, you know, with peers and in a college scene and away from home and, you know, learning how to just kind of do your own thing. And then clearly, you know, a step into, uh, with travel, what I ultimately uh, turned into a career and what I want to do with the, with my life. You know? Yeah. Um. I guess let's talk about the um, maybe first couple jobs that you held um, after you graduated. What was the what was the first job that you held after you after college? So my first job was in sales. I did food uh, like high high end white tablecloth um, food distribution sales. Got it. Okay. Um, and was that kind of when you? Um, I guess started to get a, a sense of, um, uh, what am I trying to say here? Maybe like making, connecting with people, uh, part of your career. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I had a geography major, which of course, which is another piece from college going back to that question that stayed with me. 
Um, I went into geography because I loved I loved the world, and it was more, was more, it was less about physical geography, soils and stuff like that, which I enjoyed, and more, but more really about like political geography and the study of systems around the world and countries, etc. And when I got out of school, um, there were there's no jobs in geography. I mean, you could do like GIS mapping and stuff like that, but that was definitely not for me. Um, and a friend in the community uh, offered me a job. He owned his own dist- uh, food distribution company and offered me a job at the bottom and was like, look, you know, like if you want to come learn the ropes, I'll teach you everything I know about business. Come on board with me. And I ended up working my first like two months at that job, at least in a, in a, in a freezer, freezing my ass off at going to work at like four in the morning, stocking stuff in their freezer. And, um, eventually after kind of learning some of the operational parts of the business, um, was asked by the owner if I wanted to try out sales. He's like, you're, you're probably better for sales. And I, I said, yeah. And I, um, I jumped right into it and, uh, very quickly um, outpaced a handful of the salespeople who had been there for years and who had been in the industry for years um, just because I, I think I was a young, enthusiastic guy who just loved talking to people and people really liked me. and You know, sales was easy for me. And um, I, I surely, you know, remember being happy in that work. Um, for what it was worth, it was, uh, it wasn't something I was going to do forever. It wasn't a product that I could sell. Um, it wasn't something I, I believed in per se, but I do remember, yeah, uh, there being, um, some clarity around how much I loved connecting with people and that being, um, reinforced by the owner of this company who is like a mentor for me, one of my first mentors in business that really knew that and was like, you know what? you're great at this, like you're great at, at, at connecting with people um, and um, nurtured that for me. Yeah, that's that's great. So when did the move to real estate investing happen? So I realized that I didn't want to do that work. And despite the fact that I was doing well numbers wise, it just wasn't interesting enough for me. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't inspiring. And so at the time, it was 2004, and the real estate market was going bonkers and um, on fire. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to see what I can do with real estate. I left that company. I went and got a real estate license. Um but I didn't want to sell residential uh, real estate. I wanted to get into real estate investment. That was my goal. That was my vision. And I stuck to it. And I remember living at home at the time, coming down every day in a suit into my mom's kitchen and calling up, just making call after call after call, networking, 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 networking. And at the, at the end of, a, of another three months or so, um, I ended up getting a couple different offers. Uh, one was with two were with no one was with a, uh, a commercial um, brokerage uh, firm, a pretty w- reputable one. Um, and the other two were with real estate investment firms, principals 
who were, who were buying real estate and uh, big commercial real estate deals. And um, I ultimately decided to go uh, with um, a company that was very similar to the first job I had, the sales job, in that there was a principal at the company who offered to really take me under his wing. You know, he was like, you don't have business background per se, you know, you have no real estate experience, but I see something in you and I'm going to bring you on and you're going to learn this business from the ground up and do whatever I tell you. And <laughs> I'll pay, you know, gave me a, a base, a base amount of money to start and was like, you know, you'll learn a lot. And I said, yes. And shortly thereafter, uh, he, uh, he um, he offered to put me through my MBA and support me in um, getting an MBA, and um, I very quickly um, moved into uh, an acquisition level position there and started buying up uh, hospitality properties for for him and his consortium of partners, and yeah, the rest was history. I I did well at that and uh thrived there for for a number of years um but uh, like i told you it was all kind of again in hindsight it was just a, a just the flow man you know it wasn't like i had i did have a vision of being wanting to be in in real estate and wanting to be in on that finance side of real estate on the investment side um and i guess yeah the universe provided and uh, I was very fortunate to have some tremendous um, mentors in the business world who not only taught me a lot about, um, about business and about, um, about real estate specifically and, and about numbers and investing, but you know, put me through a, a, a master's, uh, an MBA, and you know, really nurtured um, the gifts that I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's great, it's, and um, you know, and then everybody knows that in you know two thousand eight the the recession hits and kind of changes everything, uh, you know, f- for pretty much everyone. Where so were you? I guess were you like thriving in that job um, until two thousand eight came, or did did things in your life kind of start getting? Um, start becoming a little shaky before kind of that, that hammer hit in 2008. No, the hammer hit, man, completely. I mean, I, um, I was fully invested, fully engaged in what I was doing. I loved my work to be totally honest. I was absorbed by it on so many levels. I was just wrapping up my MBA. Um, we were working on some really exciting deals. Um, and um, things were going really well. From what it from what it appe- it appeared that things were going really well. The reality was, and what I wasn't noticing is that I was under a lot of stress. Physically, I was not um, in good shape, um, and emotionally, things were rocky at home in my marriage. Um, and so there were, you know, from the tunnel vision, which I think happens to so many of us when we're super engaged in a, in a career or in a project, 
everything was was going well and you know you're you know you're 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 progressing and according to you know our corporate standards you're making more money and you're you know you're getting good reviews and all of the little traps that we have within the corporate world were those box were boxes were getting ticked but the important boxes like you know how is your marriage how is your health you know how are your personal relationships you know where are you at as far as your you know do you have a you know um a balanced um mind body spirit you know are you happy are you truly happy those pieces were off but i was so focused on work that to be totally honest, I didn't notice a lot of them until the hammer came down. And when the hammer came down and the market crashed very suddenly, um, and I pretty much simultaneously split with my, um, with my ex-wife now, um, it all became real. Everything surfaced everything bubbled up it didn't even bubble up man it shot up like a rocket <laughs> and uh that was uh that was the greatest gift man that was the first step that was the uh that was the universe giving me the opportunity to reevaluate who i was and reevaluate what was important to me and to um to heal to heal and transform um, the circumstances of, 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 of my life and at the time of the, of the world as far as what was going on with the global economy. So do you think that you would have easily stayed the course um, in, in real estate had that um, crash not happened? Very likely, yes. For some time. Mm -hmm. For some time. Um, you know, I'm a very, uh, I'm a very loyal and committed person. And so I was, you know, um, yeah, I was in the tunnel, man. I was fully in the yeah. tunnel vision and, <laughs> you know, I was, I was engaged and, and, and enthusiastic about what I was doing. I think that, you know, um, we're really lucky when the universe the world, a friend, a partner, a boss, whoever it may be, however, however you want to look at it, you know, enable us, give us an opportunity to see life in a different way. So, you know, it's all about perspective. Um, if you're, you, you go through a breakup, some people can look at it as the worst thing possible, or you can, you can look at it as, okay, Maybe that was something that wasn't the healthiest thing and what, what can come next and how can I learn from this? And so um, I'm, I was very lucky, to be totally honest, um, that the market crashed and that my marriage fell apart. That was a, a gift from the universe saying, here you go, here you go. Let's give you another perspective. Let's give you an opportunity to look at yourself and at the world in a different way. And I think people 
who suffer from anxiety and stress in the workplace um, or even go through uh, you know monumental difficulty those are those are those are blessings those are gifts for them if they can just like you if they can look at them and say wow okay this isn't working let's let's look at a new way let's be open to something different that's a gift you know that's what life's about I think um, we're not meant to to um, well maybe some of us are but I think in, in most cases we're not meant to just um, to be on the same road our whole lives and so openness is 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 um, is huge and when we get those uh, opportunities um, we got to be grateful for them yeah, that's that's really interesting. And do you think that there may be, I don't know, tools or strategies that people can um, maybe em- employ so that they're kind of so that they're not stuck in this um, tunnel vision for so many years and and um, and kind of not the only way that they can escape that is through some like traumatic experience or like worldwide event. Oh man, I love that. I love that question because, you know, everything we do with, with Life Force and the wellness productions that we, that we curate are about um, learning in a, in a pleasant, you know, way versus getting hammered, right? And I don't think that it's always about pain to get to the other side and see the opportunity. So I love that question. And, um, you know, I'm, obviously a big proponent of travel. So I think travel is a really powerful tool for us to step outside for a second of the tunnel vision. So, you know, if you're stressed out at work, if you're finding that you're in a creative uh, rut, um, if you're struggling at home with, you know, a partner, um, taking off um, and, 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 tra- and doing some traveling um, can really uh, you see yourself in a new way. You don't have all the same relationships um, that you have at home when you travel. In fact, you have all new relationships. You know, um, you're not going to relate to yourself the same way you would when you're in your home with your with your partner or when you're at your office with your boss. You're now in an entirely new place and get to relate to yourself and to your surroundings and to others in a whole new way. And so that in itself, I think, can really be an eye opener and help people to be open and gain more perspective and widen the lens. Um, I also think, you know, if travel um, isn't a possibility um, that just, a, you know, a meditation practice and meditation can look like a lot of different things. It doesn't necessar- necessarily have to be sitting down and breathing and, you know, doing what people envision as the, you know, standard, you know, kind of meditation. It could be, um, you know, trying out a new, uh, a new sport, or, you know, getting out in nature and doing some hiking by yourself, or even, you know, picking up a musical instrument. Um, but getting into a meditative state um, changes the way we, the way we think it really does. Um, and I think it opens, it opens our, um, it opens our mind to more possibilities more downloads, more things are coming, more is, you're allowing more in, your filter is, is, is wider um, when you're in a meditative state. And for people who are struggling um, with any kind of, you know, difficulty, again, whether it's like career oriented or, or social or personal, 
Um, I think that, you know, finding ways to get into a, a, a peaceful meditative state um, and finding ways to be more open and allow more in um, is really helpful. Yeah, that's interesting, um, especially when you said travel, because when I um, was really in the thick of things um, in my last job in private equity, I decided to um, just take a long weekend, um, I think Memorial Day weekend, to uh, just travel to San Francisco um, you know, by myself. I've never been there before. Um, and just, I guess, maybe immerse myself in a completely new environment. And like you said, it, it kind of completely changed my thought process on, on, on everything and, and gave me, you know, a different perspective. So, uh, can definitely appreciate that. Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, I see what we do is wellness travel, but I honestly see travel as a, like when people think of wellness, they think of yoga or nutrition or meditation right and those all are parts of a well let's just under the wellness umbrella but i fully see travel just in itself just traveling as being a practice in well-being because of exactly what you're talking about you know when you go to a new place you see yourself in a new way you open yourself up to new things and that can call in a level of balance that is the ultimate goal or a level of creativity or a level of healing, um, whatever, whatever can come up there. That is the ultimate goal of, of wellness, really. That's what wellness is for. Wellness is to help us become more balanced in our lives and more happy, you know, um, in our lives. So yeah, travel, yeah. travel's amazing without a doubt. Yeah. And so how much time passed between the market crashing, um, and the, and the divorce to you moving to Costa Rica? Um, so between the market crashing, not long, um, <laughs> I would say about, um, there was a year roughly where the market crashed. They laid off about 40, um, about 40% of, of the, of the, of the firm and, and, uh, kept me on. Um, of course I was doing acquisitions, so there was nothing to buy. Uh, so my job um, role changed. Um, and yeah, um, hung in there as long as I, as long as I could. Um, and then I'd say, yeah, about a year after the market crashed, um, some colleagues of mine reached out, uh, and were interested in getting me involved, uh, in a investment deal they had going, uh, in Central America and um, asked if I would fly down there to look at it and evaluate it and maybe get involved. And at the time, I mean, you know, the U.S. was in the worst recession um, that it had been through since the Great Depression. And uh, my marriage was um, on the rocks. And... Um, I uh, felt like, yeah, let's take a look. Let's take a chance. Let's go down there and check it out. Of course. Why wouldn't I want to be in Costa Rica right now? <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was actually, it was Panama for the record. Um, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it was Panama. And uh, yeah, I went down there and um, 
the deal wasn't right. It was a, it was a bit remote. Um, it just didn't feel, it did, didn't feel like the right investment for me at the time, but, um, or something I really wanted to be involved with, but going down there was inspiring. I mean, Panama was growing at double digit, double digit numbers annually. And there were so many entrepreneurs down there and people just working on cool businesses and, you know, they had an international expat community and it was beautiful and it was inspiring. It was so inspiring, in fact, that um, I decided to stay. And I might have I might have jumped the gun here. I don't know where you're where what where the next question was coming from or what it was gonna look like. But um yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh um yeah, so what was um uh, I guess the the main I guess driving factor in your decision to um, pull the trigger and stay. So yeah, I guess it was this experience down there of just um, like we just talked about with travel, uh, mm-hmm. really seeing a new side of myself down there, and you know I had been I had been going through the beginning stages of my personal transformation over the, over the course of that prior year. And when I got to Panama, looked at this deal and had some time to myself, I really felt, I just saw myself in a new light. I saw a whole new world that I never knew was possible. I saw a whole new life filled with possibilities. And it was so inspiring. And I knew, I was like, I don't, I'm not going back. Like it was just a decision that was so clear in my mind that I wanted to stay and I wanted to take this adventure and I wanted to go down this path and see where it led. And one of the best decisions I ever made. I mean, I, I, I did not get back on the plane. I ended up resigning at that point from my job. Um, wow. I realized my divorce, all from Panama, basically. and uh called my family had to mail me down some things and i set up i set up shop i got a great apartment down there um the cost of living was was awesome relative to you know the united states and um i began a a a new journey uh down there that lasted uh three years wow and i guess did you have kind of any sense of I guess what were you, what you're going to do down there or did you just kind of like, uh, just kind of, I don't know, uh, play it by ear. Oh, I was in the flow, man. I mean, yeah, I had already been practicing letting go of control, which I think, and you can, I'm sure understand some level of this coming from finance as well. When you're in that world, there's so much about control and, 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 you know, finalizing deals. And I think this goes for really any kind of corporate high pressure job. You know, you're under, you're under a lot of pressure to perform performance and performance is a level of control, controlling as many outcomes as you can um, in order to hit the marks. And so my whole process was letting go of control. That's really what I had to do with my marriage in order to move through that and, 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 and heal from that and um, really just in my life in general uh, in order to 
get healthier and more balanced in my mind body. And so when I got to Panama, I was like, okay, here we go. Now we're really going to put this into motion and see what happens. <laughs> Cause I didn't have a plan. I had no plan. Yeah. I didn't have a job. I had some money scratched away, you know? Um, but I, I had no job and no plan. Um, it was all about a free flow. Um, and it, it worked out great. I mean, flow is, there's nothing that can work out better when you're in flow. Um, because all the, all the options are open. You don't have uh, an attachment to how things need to turn out, which I think opens you up to a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. And so what did your days look like down there? <laughs> well, um, I was completely uh, enamored by the experience of living abroad at that time in my life. I was 29 years old. Um, I had worked very hard through the course of my 20s um, and hadn't had a lot of, you know, leisure time, so to speak. Uh, and so my days to begin with were filled with surfing and socializing and um, really experiencing the culture there. And of course, um, maintaining and in certain ways amplifying my mindfulness practices that I had picked up. So, you know, I was working out a lot. I was doing a lot of yoga. Um, like I said, I was surfing, hanging out, meeting people, and really enjoying and traveling all around. I was going all around, all different types of beaches and all the little mountain towns and really just exploring. Um, that's how it started uh, for, the, I would say, the first almost the first year there was just a lot of that and networking, doing what I love to do, meeting people and starting to cultivate ideas around, um, you know, um, what my niche was at the time, which was investment, um, you know, and, 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 and real estate. And at the time, Panama was uh, exploding with real estate opportunities, um, especially in hospitality, which was my specialty. So there were a lot of conversations happening. Um, there wasn't any commitments for the, at the beginning <laughs> because I just wanted to kind of enjoy and be in a flow, but that matured as I, as I ended, as I spent more time living down there. Got it. And uh, what were people's reactions when you told them that you were going to be staying in Panama? Uh, were they kind of were they, was it just like why were you, why would you do this sort of sort of thing? Oh, people were inspired, man. I mean, people. Oh, okay. Were, yeah, they were. Most of them were like, "We're coming to visit." <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I mean, you know, the reality is that that move for me was was this gyration between the seductiveness of being in a place where my resources and skills in, um, in, in the investment world could be applied to a market that was growing. And so there was, from one perspective, it was a really smart move career-wise. And then there was my path and my personal journey that was happening. And me wanting to really explore who I was becoming and get deeper into my meditation practices and get deeper into this exploration of kind of wellness travel and so both were happening and i think both mm -hmm. sides and i was gyrating between the two 
And that was, you know, each side was uh, attractive to different people. You know, some of my friends from the industry were like, yeah, we're coming down. Let's look at some deals. And I was, and I was really like entertaining, you know, um, some different investment options and possibilities. And then some of my other friends were really inspired by what was happening to me on a personal level and wanted to be a part of that journey. And while I was there, I had so many friends come to Panama and visit. I was so blessed, man. It was, uh, it was so awesome um, being able to host all these people from my community who were inspired by what I was doing. And I saw how many people, Chase, really were going through the same things that I was going through and were inspired by what I was doing and, and telling me, God, man, I wish I could just pick up and leave, you know? <laughs> and I, the response was always, you know, you can, right? Um, I mean, everyone has a different, you know, commitment to different commitments, different lives, but um, yep. it was really amazing to see how many people um, identified, right, with what I was doing and had their own story relative to their careers or their lives that, you know, um, and, and the challenges they were facing. Yeah, it's interesting how um, kind of when you decide to, um, I guess, almost like sort of publicly uh, be vulnerable that it inspires others to open up to you. Totally, man. 100%. 100%. And that's, I think, when there's an authenticity to it, that's what truly inspires people. When, you, when you're out there doing it, like, like, again, like what you've done or what I was doing when I, when I left the country or when I started Life Force, you know, when there's authenticity in your actions, it really speaks multitudes of, of who you are. And I think that's what, what can be really inspiring to people for surely. Um, taking those risks, you know, putting yourself out there. Yep. Right. And um, I guess moving towards uh, the beginnings of Life Force Project, um, how soon after you moved to Panama did you begin to feel this connection to, I guess, maybe the world's life force or energy? You know, it was already happening. It was already happening. And, and, and because I really was experiencing um, that seductiveness of like, you know, the, the markets and the investors in Panama pulling me in one direction and my path pulling me in another, it almost amplified the, the experiences. So when I was having these wellness experiences, when I would go and spend the night by myself on a beach, surf all day, do some yoga, and then walk down the beach at night, I was feeling it, man. It was so tangible. And um, yeah, you know, it, it just, it, 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 it continued to just build and evolve uh, within me while I was there. Um, but it took time, you know, it did take time. It took, it took, it took a, a couple of years for me to really know the direction I wanted to move. I mean, I knew I was like having this incredible, like transformational experience while I was down there, but I wasn't exactly sure how to channel it. And I wasn't really, to be totally honest, thinking every day of like how, what am I going to create next? I really was just there. I was present. I was going through the motions and I was allowing it all to happen. Um, and then, you know, one day, yeah, three years into it, I had my moment. 
I had honestly a moment of clarity and I knew that I wanted to create what we're doing with Life Force Project and um, I had no doubt about it in my mind. Um, didn't expect That's awesome. it, but it just happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then from that moment forward, you, uh, I guess you start to begin working on it. Yeah, so I had um, I had been traveling around uh, Latin America for a year at this point. This was my third year down there. The, the that third year, I moved around quite a bit, looking at properties to 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 buy and turn into a wellness retreat center. And we got pretty close on on one of them, and I just couldn't do it. I just like could not pull the trigger and commit. And my brother and I um, uh, had just finished hiking up to Machu Picchu. We were soaking in a hot spring. And we had this conversation around all the properties we had looked at because he had been a part of that process as well. And he said, you know, why don't, why don't you look at just like creating experiences around the world? Like why buy one property and be stuck in one place when you could just create you know, wellness experiences for your community, right? And I had not done any research on yoga retreats or, you know, wellness retreats or corporate retreats or anything like that. Um, honestly, I had kind of been really focused on buying something that was a physical property. But when he said that, it just clicked, and I it just I just knew it. I was like, "That's that's it, that's it, man!" And from there, it just took off. It was it was all organic from there. Um, you know, every day I would meet someone new. No hands down, no top down research, no reaching out and kind of like trying to like make new connections in that way. Just living, I would just meet someone new every day or be introduced to someone. Um, who was maybe a yoga teacher or had a retreat center in Greece that they wanted us to come do a retreat at, or, you know, was someone who was interested in going on a, on a retreat. And so there was this beautiful organic process that really snowballed pretty quickly. Um, from that moment, from that moment of setting an intention and knowing very clearly that that's what I wanted and that that's what was right for me. It's like the universe provided and it all just came together. <clears throat> that's awesome and maybe um just for the the people listening um provide maybe a quick overview of life force project yeah um and so the 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 goal being to create environments that are conducive for people having a shift through travel and wellness and life force started um, with a handful of international wellness retreats, usually seven days uh, long or so, um, where we bring um, incredible teachers of various disciplines in yoga, meditation, mindfulness, um, even certain like you know exercise and fitness concepts um, to these various, locations around the world and bring a group together and um, really uh, spend the week connecting, eating healthy food, um, 
and ideally setting the stage for someone to have a subjective uh, experience that could change their, the way they live or the way they see their, their life. We try to put all the ingredients in and maybe one of them uh, will work or all of them will work for somebody, you know. Healthy food can be transformational. Yoga, obviously, in an amazing setting with amazing amazing people can be transformational. Um, just the, honestly, the act of traveling, like we've talked about, in itself can be transformational. So there's all the components there. And, you know, we like to also incorporate cultural activities and eco-adventure and all of those pieces. Um, and so that's really where the company started. And fast forward to today, um, we've expanded uh, into the corporate space. So I've come full circle and started to work with uh, some of my old colleagues from when I from when I used to be working in the corporate world. And we offer um, a number of different wellness platforms for corporations. Um, we have a concierge model, uh, which is for private groups and even individual travel where we can be a fantastic resource to integrate any level of wellness, um, whether it be yoga, body work, private chefs, um, nature immersion, uh, into uh, a private trip that someone's taking. Um, and then we've also worked to consult a number of travel-oriented companies uh, as far as their wellness programming. So we've worked with some cruise lines, um, and um, some other uh, travel outfits to uh, provide wellness services to their clients and to their to their customers ultimately. So um, really expanded on the wellness travel model. Um, we do a set uh, calendar of trips throughout the year. Uh, we focus primarily. Uh, for our um, open, we call them open enrollment trips, but for our yoga retreats, our wellness adventures, we focus primarily in Latin America um, and do offer trips in, um, in Europe and have expanded into a handful of destinations in Asia. And, um, uh, and yeah, I work with an amazing group of people. Uh, and that's really, you know, the the core of who we are, the incredible people that we work with around the world, all, you know, specialists in their various disciplines of, uh, like I said, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, spirituality, nutrition, eco-adventure, um, shamanism, uh, life coaching, even, um, uh, um, extreme sports and, uh, uh, what you're doing, Chase. Um, uh, help me out here. Uh, ultra. In endurance, yeah. Endurance. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all things wellness travel. Uh, and, uh, yeah, very, very grateful to have arrived where we are after uh, only a, a handful of, of years. Um, and excited to see where we can go next. Yeah, that's that's great. So, what are what are some of the destinations that you go to? So, um, our our catalog uh, of uh, of destinations, which is a pretty much a um, a set group of uh, places that we go to every year, includes um, 
the sacred valley of Peru uh, and Machu Picchu. Um, we go to Baja, Mexico. We go to um, Cuba. We go to the coffee region of Colombia. Uh, we go to Ibiza, Spain. We go to Sicily, um, uh, Sicily, Italy. Um, we have uh, a trip that we run in India, um, up in the uh, in the Himalayas near Dharamshala. Um, we do stuff locally here, and we're looking to expand that coming into 2021 in the United States. Um, but we're based in Colorado, so we have some experiences that we offer here in Colorado. Um, and um, Utah and Arizona, and um, looking at some opportunities to provide domestic retreat level experiences in Northern California as well. Um, every year we add a destination or two um, that's kind of our like our all our alternate new um, destination that we travel to. But what we really try and focus on is going to places where I know that we can provide a very unique and authentic experience. I don't want to be everywhere. You know, right. we want to go to places that we know are special, where we have an extended family of, uh, you know, specialists and hosts that welcome us every time we come there and where we can really create an experience, um, that, that feels different, that feels intimate, that feels connected for our, for our, um, our community. Right. Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's awesome. I hope to, hope to someday, um, go to one of those, one of those destinations. Um, but obviously, uh, you know, travel right now is, 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 uh, uh, pretty much impossible. Um, uh, well, we are, um, first of all, yes, we'll, we'll definitely get you on a trip. So let's, let's plan on that. Absolutely. Um, without a doubt. And um, we'll see how everything uh, kind of comes together with the, you know, with the current global situation that we're all facing. Um, but that being said, um, we do love uh, integrating into nature. And so depending on how, and I think regardless, I'm going to say this regardless of where the you know, travel restrictions go, in the next 12 months, we're going to be offering um, these local U.S.-based nature immersions, which will probably be weekend-long trips um, in Colorado, um, in Moab, um, in the deserts of Utah, which are absolutely stunning. And oh, interesting. looking at something in California as well. And those will look like glamping, um, so kind of uh, mid-level to luxurious accommodations um, in nature, but with, you know, some of the creature comforts that people like to have. And then of course, bringing our amazing team of, um, wellness specialists and yogis to host some really special experiences, um, but fully immersed in nature, uh, which I'm excited about. Um, so keep your eye out for that too. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely, definitely keep me posted on those. Without a doubt. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, uh, I guess when you when you were talking there, I was thinking that thinking about like it seems like um, for a lot of people, especially kind of these 
maybe hard charging type A personalities, um, some like for something to be truly transformational, the idea of traveling somewhere new and almost being lost for an extended period of time can be exactly what that person needs into finding kind of what they want to do next and what might be their purpose in life. Absolutely. And I think what makes, you know, wellness travel specifically um, a special opportunity is that when you travel with others who have a similar intention and we see this all the time on our trips, the collective intention is really nurturing for everybody. And so that's what's, to me, that's what's so special about wellness travel is that travel in itself can open you up to a whole new set of possibilities in your life, a, a whole, a whole new, uh, a whole new class of options and, 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 and insight into who we are. Um, but when we do it with intention, right? So when we go somewhere with the intention of, you know, perhaps finding balance in our life or, you know, trying a new uh, yoga discipline or connecting with a new group of people, that especially. Um, and then we show up on a retreat and we're surrounded by others who have a similar intention. It amplifies. It amplifies our, the possibilities. And I think it amplifies our ability to call in whatever new creative inspirational or healing energy that we're looking for. That's the magic of retreats, honestly. And I, and I yep. can tell you that it happens on every single trip we do. Every single trip, I see how people, sometimes not even consciously, sometimes it's completely un, unconscious, subconscious, that, that this group is supporting one another in, in their own growth. Yeah. And what, what would you say your ultimate vision is for Life Force Project? I mean, you know, we, I want to continue to be true and authentic to who we are, um, to the places that we go, and to the community that we serve. And so um, for me, it's really about always, you know, rediscovering, refining, um, the environments that we curate and um, how we do what we do. That really is growth for me. I mean, we're, we're very happy with the, with the destinations that we go to. Like I said, we, I feel like we add value um, and create really authentic experiences to all the places that we go. And so I'm not really interested in, in, in you know, diluting that and, and being everywhere. But I think every year we get better at really facilitating um, very unique uh, spaces for people to shift. And you know the way the way life force is set up, we don't we're not dogmatic in any way. You know, we want people to have a really good time first and foremost. We want to create an environment that, uh, feels healthy 
um, and safe um, and perhaps challenging in some ways. Uh, but beyond that, we're not, we're not promising transformation or <laughs> enlightenment or anything like that. We just, we just want to create environments that are conducive to people having whatever kind of change in their life that they're looking for. And for me as a company um, and a family, an extended family uh, around the world, the better we can get at facilitating that, um, the happier I am. And obviously, you know, as we grow and are challenged, um, for me, I, I find it uh, challenged, I guess is the right word, an exciting challenge to tackle the corporate problem, um, the problem of corporate burnout and um, corporate ideals. And so yeah. that is a direction that I'm definitely very excited to move into as far as growth and to be able to um, add value in that space uh, as well. Um, I come from there. And I uh, understand that kind of mentality. And I love working um, with uh, the, my, my quote unquote former you know, colleagues, right? In that way. And so that's an exciting uh, area of growth for us, for surely. Yeah, that would definitely be a really interesting direction to, to go into, I think. Um, as someone who's experienced burnout, uh, myself, I feel like there's so many other people out there who, um, I guess have gone through it or are going through it. Um, but maybe aren't kind of, uh, maybe speaking out about it, um, for fear that, I don't know, it might like show weakness or, um, I don't know, derail them on their kind of, uh, I guess, trajectory or uh, career path. So um, I think that would be definitely really interesting. Well, the, what, what we've set up is a program that has kind of a two-prong approach. The first one is um, using the wellness resources that we've cultivated over, over the years to just approach health and lifestyle in the corporate setting, which is the first step, right? Like if people have some level of meditation practice and you know yoga practice then they might be able to you know get in better touch with their bodies and with their emotions and be able to balance themselves out in their lives and in the office um so that's the first piece that we that we offer in the corporate um in the corporate space the second piece is really a a, a company culture approach so like you said there are people in a company you know in, in various work positions that feel um uh, threatened by, you know, or, or, or feel they might look weak by expressing any level of, of stress or imbalance. Um, and I think that has to do with the culture and the environment that, the, that the, these companies are creating for their employees. And so we have a platform that really looks at uh, what we call the four tenets of a, of a, of a functional business or a, a, a productive business. And um, how wellness resources can help businesses um, approach, you know, redefining um, their culture, their corporate culture, and um, work through challenges and goals that they have internally. So um, it's more business strategy oriented, um, while the other 
prong that we have is more health and lifestyle oriented. Um, both, I think, are, are equally as important uh, in the corporate setting. Got it. If, if you had the opportunity to go back in time and talk to your 20-something, early 20-something-year-old 20, 20 self, what would you say to him if you would say anything? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about a thing, man. It's all going to be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know how much I was worried back then. Um, but yeah, I think that life, life has an amazing way of working itself out and to stay open, to always be open for surely, you know, mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. You know, we, we're so driven by productivity and, and performance. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important. They are. But openness, right? To under to, to know where to apply ourselves. Because a lot of times we get we, we just get put onto a path that may be the right path for us for a time. But then, you know, if we're not open, we don't see the forks in the road. We don't see the other opportunities. So so staying open, I think, is paramount. That's that's the advice I'd give myself, just to be as yep. open as possible. Right. And kind of, I guess, bringing it back to uh, the, I guess, the name of the podcast, the Driving Force podcast. Um, what's been your driving force? Um, I could probably guess what your answer is going to be, but um, what's, uh, what's your driving force? Yeah. Um, My driving force has been um, connection. Mm -hmm. Was that what you were going to guess? Yes. <laughs> um, without a doubt, um, connection and understanding the authentic source of, of where it's coming from. So authenticity over and over and over again, constantly coming back to myself and asking myself deep down, how do I feel? about this? Is this the direction I want to be going? And is this, is, is this true for me? Is this true? And I think when we operate from that place, when we operate from, from an internal truth, from a, from a, uh, a, a, a steadfast, solid understanding and truth within us, we can never make the wrong decisions. And we really can connect in, connect the dots in all the various ways, whether it's through, intellectual, you know, expression, creative expression, personal expression, relationships. If it comes from a true place within us, then it will work. And ultimately it will thrive. Awesome. And then I guess, uh, lastly, what, what do you think is a good first step for someone to take who wants to begin practicing mindfulness? Um, I would say again, going back to the openness, trying new, uh, trying different ways uh, to get into a space of, of, of meditation, a space of flow, a space of um, uh, uh, mindlessness, not thinking. So, um, if someone is interested in getting into meditation, I would recommend, you know, trying, um, you know, some guided meditation, trying yoga, um, 
Uh, yoga is definitely a great form of meditation. It's very somatic. It's physical. And I think a lot of us operate on a physical level first. That's where all the information comes in. Um, <clears throat> or, you know, if those aren't working, trying other things like trying, you know, time alone in nature, um, trying to do some breath work. Um, like I said, picking up a new, um, like a new, a new, a new artistic expression, like, like a painting or, or, or music, um, or a new instrument. Um, but, uh, yeah, being open to finding new ways to slow, slow down the mind. I can, I can say that breath, that using, working with the breath um, and starting with a meditation or some type of yoga is, I would recommend as being the, the most accessible and perhaps the most effective first step um but that might that's not for, sometimes it's not for everybody so if that's not the if that's not the case try other things that enable you to kind of um be in a new space and create a new uh you know new patterns of thought and new patterns of uh of uh of being um in your mind um so yeah <clears throat> that's 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 what i would say kind of an expanded answer there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Um, uh, and I think it's also a um, great place to to end. Um, David, thanks again for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Where where can people go if they want to learn more about um, Life, Force Pro- Life Force Project or maybe follow on social media? Uh, yeah, so... Um, you can find us, our handles are on social media, uh, at Life Force um, on Facebook, at Life Force Project on Instagram, and then the website is lifeforceproject.com. And those are the, the best places to get a feel for what we do. Um, and I definitely recommend if people are interested in um, just you know being in the know as far as what we're doing and the trips we're running and all of our various offerings, to sign up for our emailer we do send some you know trip specific and project specific uh information our community through through that um channel awesome and uh you guys can also follow me on instagram at chase rosa for for updates on new episodes and on my endurance training journey uh thanks everyone who's listening and see you next time